Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg. He's Steve. The dog days of the summer are come and gone. It is now post-Labor Day, and we're in the month of September, only a couple of days away from actual hockey, and then a couple of weeks away from preseason hockey. Who would have thought? I still think this is taking a little bit too long, because I'm bored to death, literally. Um, I'm just anxious for hockey to actually start. There's not really much going on other than anticipation at this point. But uh, how's your summer going, Steve? Uh, well, my summer's good, and I agree with you. Uh, August is the worst month of the year for hockey fans. Um, yeah, there's not much going on. I mean, at the end of July, you have arbitration, so you still have something to talk about. But once August starts, it's it's just awful. And the last time we recorded was three or maybe even four weeks ago. And we just didn't have anything to talk about, so why even record? I know other podcasts still had their episodes ongoing, and you know, but I just, I just didn't really feel the need to because there was just nothing to talk about. But now, um, I mean, here in Europe, the hockey season started last week with the Champions Hockey League. So Niels Lundqvist played a couple of competitive games. It was really impressive, by the way, in those two games. Um, and yeah, there were some some interesting games here in Vienna as well. Um, Adler, Mannheim, and Jurgarden were playing here in Vienna, so I got to meet some interesting players, um, including some 2020 prospects. Uh, Alexander Holtz, who's projected to be top five in the draft next year, and uh, Tim Stutzer, who's projected to be between 10 and 15. Uh, yeah, it was nice to have them play in my backyard. For once, I didn't have to travel to meet some prospects, so that was fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And of course, um, we have Traverse City coming up in a few days, so we're finally getting here. And I think, I think this year was worse. The waiting was worse because of the anticipation. In previous years, there wasn't really that much anticipation, but now with Traverse City around the corner, and we have Kako and Kravtsov and Fox and Shestyorkin and Rikov and Rayunanen and on and on and on it goes. It's an entire list of players that we are dying to see in blue. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, matter of fact, I. I... It's weird because normally I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm always excited for hockey to start, but I'm even more excited now um, because of the the prospects we have and the kids we have coming through. But um, it's it's just like, I mean, normally the summer goes, you know, tends to go by, you know, a little fast for me because I, I tend to, you know, I have a bunch of other things that I'm kind of interested in. You know, I have a business I'm running. I watch a lot of baseball. So, like. Um, I'm usually keep myself busy during the summer, but man, this summer is dragging on for me for hockey to start. It is. I, I can't remember the last time the summer dragged on this much. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a quick question. Are you a Mets fan or a Rangers fan or a Yankees fan? Oh, I'm a Yankees fan. Yankees. Okay. So at least you had some good games to watch then for your baseball. Yeah, I, 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 I feel, I feel bad for Mets fans. It's just, just, you know, uh, uh, they got, they, Fire the manager and move on at this point. But that's a, I don't want to get into baseball, but it, that's a, that's it's really is a disaster. The Mets. It, I I don't even know where to start with them. To be honest with you, I think I think I think Ranger fans who are also Mets fans are even look are looking forward to hockey even more than than others. Oh yeah, I mean like Greg from the uh, the Blue Shirt Breakaways, man. Like, he probably can't wait for hockey to get started. He's probably so fester- frustrated with uh, with you know with Callaway, and he's like just just start the season already. Yeah, some, I don't blame him. I mean the Mets are. are it, you know, they just fire the manager and move on already. You know, Mickey's got to go. Yeah, but hey, uh, we're three days away and while we're recording this on, what day is it today, Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, uh, September the 4th. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're only two days away from Traverse City. And it's, I mean, now everything will start. I'm, I'm going to see some, uh, I'm going to see Nils Lundqvist play in Germany and the Czech Republic this weekend. There's Traverse City the weekend that I can watch. And in 13 days, I'm flying to New York City for preseason. So it's getting really close now. And I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to, to get started in, in the month of September. Yeah, totally. 
So uh, it, the Traverse City games, are they going to be televised or – I mean, I don't think they're going to be televised, but are they going to be streamed anywhere or are we just going to get glimpses and highlights of these games? No, uh, a Fox Sport, the Fox Sports app uh, streams the games. Okay. But if people are interested in watching, I have to warn them beforehand, the quality is not that great. Uh, the arenas in Traverse City are not set up for, for like high-end broadcasts. Um, so there's one camera in the middle uh, that just that just you know goes left and right and it turns, um, and I think only the games of the Detroit Red Wings have commentary. So I, just, right. I I want fans to understand this so they're not disappointed when they when they watch the Traverse City games. It's fun to watch these prospects play, but don't expect the broadcast you see from preseason games, for instance. Right. So who from the Rangers is playing? Um, well, of course, Capo Caco is the most is the most interesting name on the list. Uh, I mean, every Ranger fan uh, is dying to see him in a Rangers uh, jersey. Uh, he got number 45 still for Traverse City. Um, I know that there are some fans already bought their Kako jersey with number 24. Uh, and they're starting to slightly panic now. But uh, just want to remind them that last year, Brett Howden played with number 48. Uh, up until the end of preseason and then switched to number 21. Uh, same with Derek Stepan, who played with number 57 and switched to number 21 in 2010 for the start of the regular season. So it does happen that, that players change for the start of the regular season to new numbers. And the Rangers have always been very conservative when it comes, out, you know, when it comes to handing out numbers. Uh, you won't see the Rangers do what the Devils did with Jack Hughes, where they have like a press conference, where they have a jersey release, and you know they make a whole big deal out of this is going to be Jack Hughes' number. The Rangers don't do that. So there is still a chance that Kaka will go with number 24, but for now it's number 45. And, you know, for me personally, it doesn't really matter what number he, go, he, he picks because he has played with 12 or 13 different numbers over the last two years. Uh, we'll see what happens, but he is top of the list for most fans. Um, I think for me personally, Kravtsov is a little bit higher because, you know, I've, I've sort of a history with him and you met him in different countries and I've been following him uh, even longer than Kako. But Kako, Kravtsov, that's, that's number one and two. Uh, then, of course, Adam Fox, very highly anticipated by most Ranger fans. And then... We have other guys like like Shestjorkin in goal, um, the Finnish defenseman Tarmo Reunanen, who signed a contract uh, this year. Yegor Rikov, who we got in the Grabner trade with the Devils, uh, signed his entry-level contract and is there. And the biggest surprise for me is uh, Carl Henriksen, uh, the Swedish center who we drafted in the second round uh, this year in June. Because... I actually went back to uh, previous Traverse City tournament rosters and the last player um, to uh, be on the Traverse City tournament, the last European to be on the Traverse City tournament roster without an entry-level contract, you have to go all the way back to, I think, 2003. Um, North American players without a contract, that happens regularly, but European players don't really come over for this tournament if they're not under contract. So... I, I personally expect at least an entry-level contract for Henriksen and then probably be loaned back to Frolunda. Uh, but that's, that's the most surprising name on the list for me, considering his status. Interesting. Uh, and did you see the pictures that were released by the New York Rangers uh, the last uh, two days for, uh, for the training camps? Uh, yeah, there's a picture with uh, Kreider and uh, three Russians, Panarin, Buchnevich, and uh, Kravtsov on the bench. Uh, yeah, I thought that picture was kind of cool, actually. That's that's probably one of my favorite pictures um, because it shows them, you know, in their in, like like it shows them not as hockey players but as humans, even though they're wearing their full gear and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm happy that the Rangers are actually doing something with social media these days. Uh, yeah. We talked we talked about this uh, earlier this year and. It looks like they really stepped it up uh, a notch. I remember two months ago they had this uh, this job offer out for a social media person. It looks like they hired someone who uh, has an affinity with social media because their their Twitter account has been like it's, it, the difference is night and day. So, yes, definitely, a, it's definitely a lot better. Yeah, and I, I love that they're embracing the whole rebuild with with you know all the focus on the prospects. Um, 
it's going to be an interesting year. Traverse City is 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 just the warm up. Um, I'm I'm more excited about the preseason games because the preseason games you'll see Kako and Kraftsoft um, with better line mates and against better opposition. Um, uh, Traverse City is 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 more scrimmages, like a bunch of scrimmages that 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 they put together and count as a game. Right. Uh, it's it's not it's not actual hockey, but it's still fun to watch. If you've never watched them, uh, if you live close to Traverse City, just go, just just drive up there. And it's not just the Rangers prospect. I mean, there's seven other teams. Um, there there's a lot of prospects in that tournament that are worth watching. Yeah, agreed with that. Um, so, so moving on, let's get, let's get some, uh, NHL news out of the way. So, um, some news about the CBA. Can you, uh, fill us in on that? Yeah. Um, the, the CBA expires in 2022, which is in three years. Uh, and there was an option in the CBA for both the, uh, owners and the players to opt out. Uh, the owners have not exercised that right, which is a good thing. Uh, and now it's up to the players. I think September 15th, they have to make a decision. Um, and there, there was some talk earlier today and, and late yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Taves was interviewed and he had some, some gripes about the CBA and mostly in escrow. And I won't go into the whole details about that. But um, what it comes down to is that as a player, uh, uh, if a player is on a long-term deal, as that deal, you know, if you, when you get to year five, six, and seven of that deal, the, the, the cap hit stays the same. The money sort of stays the same. It's a little bit higher or lower. But with the cap going up, so does escrow. So it's the same percentage. It's a larger amount that's taken out of the player's salary to cover up the, um, the differences that the teams have. So a team that, that doesn't – a team that's losing money will get some of the money out of escrow and – Whatever they have left at the end of the season, they give it back to the players. But it's been a couple of years since escrow was uh, was like a minor thing. It, it, it turned into a bigger deal the last couple of years. So it's interesting to see what the players are going to do. Um, What's your gut feeling what they do? Um, look, it's, it's still three years away. Um, we have Seattle joining in two years. We will go to 32 teams that will bring in some money. <clears throat> Usually, I would expect a lockout in 2022, even if it's a partial one, like two or three months. But with a team joining a year before that, I just don't see it happening. I don't see how the NHL can, can afford to have a lockout a year after they add a new team. Yeah, that, I, would be, that would be disastrous to me. I think they will come to terms with the NHLPA that represents the players Gary Bedman represents the, the teams. Um, speaking of Bedman, there's one thing I just want to get out of the way. I see a lot of people complain about Gary Bedman because there have been three lockouts ever since he's in charge. And yeah, while that is true, it's unfair to just blame Gary Bedman for the lockouts because the lockout is basically a disagreement between the owners on one side and the players association on the other. It's like parents getting a divorce. It's never one person's fault. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's still three years away. Uh, Seattle's joining in two years. We have an expansion draft coming up, for which the Rangers look really good, by the way. Um, we might dive deeper into that in a later podcast this year. Um, but yeah, the Rangers have a lot of contracts coming off the books in 2021 with no-move clauses that, that they don't have to protect. Um, everyone who signed this summer or will sign next summer is exempt. Um, so at least Gordon knows what's going on and he's, he's preparing for the future. Like he did with the Vegas uh, expansion draft. Agreed. Uh, so some Ranger news or uh, lack thereof, so to speak, what's the situation with, uh, Brendan Lemieux and with, uh, Tony D'Angelo? It seems like there's no news, right? Well, they're still unsigned. Um, Rangers still own their rights. Um, I mean, it's just we just have to wait and see what happens. There, there's not much else to uh, to be said here. Um, it has happened before that players sign after uh, camp starts. Um, examples of that are Dubinsky, um, uh, Michael Delzato, and uh, Derek Stepan in the past. Uh, Delzato signed in the uh, the shortened season of the lockout, 
signed, I think, six days before the regular season started. Stepan was, I think, five days before the season started. And Dubinsky, something like that as well. Uh, so it's not unheard of that players sit out or hold out through through training camp and then sign when the season gets close. Um, but for Lemieux and D'Angelo, they don't have that many options. No, unless another team, unless another team is willing to, you know, give them an offer sheet, I don't see I don't see them uh, uh, leaving the Rangers, which means the Rangers are their only option, and whatever the Rangers give them, that's it. The, the only the only other option they have is go play in Europe for a year and then come back as a restricted free agent in 2020. Yeah, I, I actually think that the more I'm starting to think about Tony D'Angelo lately, I'm starting to wonder if the Rangers really have him very far behind in terms of their depth chart. I, I wonder if they're looking at the right-handed defenseman they have plus the kids they've drafted and haven't signed yet and thinking to themselves, is D'Angelo, you know, expendable? Uh, yeah, and I don't think he's expendable because I, while I agree with what you say that we have some, some, some good players uh, in the pipeline and we, we acquired Jacob Truba, we traded for Adam Fox. While that's all true, um, that doesn't mean that D'Angelo is expendable this, this season. It may make no, it not not this season, but I, I wonder moving forward. That's my question. It may make him expendable in a year or two, but that's what I, that's what I mean. I'm talking more about 2021, 2022. Yeah, of course. Someone that we that we might be moving on from at that point. Um, that's 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 entirely possible. Maybe they trade. Maybe they trade D'Angelo for help elsewhere. Um, it won't look good for D'Angelo because he would be on his fourth NHL team. Um, but I mean, he's talented. Uh, he's had basically one good season. Uh, same with Lemieux. Lemieux had one, I wouldn't even call it a good season. He had one full season in the NHL. Now, these are guys that have not earned their, their, their way yet. This is not a guy like Charlie McAvoy or Brock Besser who, you know, came out as rookies and surprised everyone. No, these are guys who, who are still growing into their role. And, I think if the Rangers offer them something around their qualifying offer, they should just take it. Take the one-year deal and, like, like Kevin LeBanc in, in San Jose. Just take the one-year deal, take it to 2020, you're arbitration eligible, and then go for the big payout or the yeah. bigger payout. But, you know, I, do, I, I, do th- I do think, though, that the, 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 they are holding out, but I think that taking the qualifying offer is probably their best bet at this point. Yeah, but who's going to give them a qualifying offer? Look, look at the restricted free agents that are still out there. Name one team that, that can safely give them a qualifying offer without shooting themselves in the foot. Um, Colorado still has to negotiate with Rontanen. Toronto right. but they, yeah, no, I, I was actually going to suggest uh, Colorado, but you're right. I mean, they, still have to, they still have to sign Nico. So, yeah. I mean, Wierenski, uh, uh, Rontanen, Point, Marner. Uh, 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 as mentioned earlier, McAvoy Besser. Uh, there are so many restricted free agents and good ones who are still without a contract. Uh, I can't believe McAvoy is without a contract, so that's weird. Yeah, uh, Patrick Laine was uh, was practicing with his old team in Finland today with uh, Tapara from Tampere. He was he was he was on the ice skating with his old team. Yeah. Um, n- not not that that means that he will play in Finland for the season, but. Players do this regularly, where they just go back home and, and their old team, you know, allows them to practice. It happens in all sports here in Europe. Uh, it happens regularly that a Dutch player goes back to the Netherlands and, you know, goes to Ajax and, and joins their practice. They won't sign him to a contract, but that's just, you know, like a sort, sort of a gentleman's agreement between the player and the club. Right. Um, but yeah, Laine is another one. Um, there, there, are, there are so many. Um, uh, Ivan Provorov. Who plays for the for the Flyers is another one, uh, Travis Konechny. The, the list goes on and on. I think there's like 25, 20 to twenty five players who I expected to be signed by September first, and they're still out there. They're, they're still restricted free agents. Matthew, right, and we're not and we're not talking about marginal NHLers too. No, we're no, this about is top quality players. Matthew Kachuk, Kyle Connor, uh, these are good players. These are good players that should be under contract. Kevin Fiala in uh, uh, in, in I think Nashville 
Or no, no, they traded him to Minnesota. <clears throat> Kevin Fiala is a 40, 45-point player. Those type of players should be under contract by September 1st. So while it's uh, while it might be worrying worrisome that D'Angelo and Lemieux are still without a contract, they're not alone. There's that's a lot a, of that's players. A good point. That's a There's good a point. lot of players out there still waiting for their contracts, and it'll happen eventually. But from from memory, this is probably the worst I've seen it. I cannot remember another off season where this many good players were still without a contract on September first. Hmm. You yeah, could, I tend to, tend to agree you, with that. You, you could put a team together of these players that, that, that would rival the Team North America from the World Cup of Hockey a few years ago. You're probably right about that. I mean, there's that much talent out there. If you have D'Angelo and, and Zach Wierenski and, and then up front you could have Kachuk and Laine and Connor and Rantanen and Marner and Point. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much talent there is on, on, in this group of unsigned restricted free agents. So I'm not too worried about it. It'll happen eventually. Um, I think I think with D'Angelo, the Rangers might just wait and see what they have with Adam Fox. But I don't think that Adam Fox making the team uh, changes that much for D'Angelo. I think D'Angelo just has to accept that the Rangers don't have the cap space to give him a two, three million dollar deal. And I think D'Angelo also has to realize that even though he had a great year last year. Um, there's still some question marks of consistency with him, you know? Yeah, one good year doesn't, doesn't get you a, a, a two, three million uh, dollar contract when you're 22, 23. No, no. He, and, the same he, thing, and the same thing can be said for Brendan Lemieux. I mean, yeah, this is his first year, and he had a pretty good year, and he's, and he's a solid, you know, bottom six contributor. But let's be real here. You're not a, you're not a top six player. Um, I'm sorry, anyone who thinks a top six player, I can. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Um, and he's not going to make or break this roster. It's not, Brendan Lemieux is, in my opinion, not the kind of player that you say, oh, well, we need to do everything we can to have this guy. If you have him, great. He's a, he, 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 he brings a lot to the team. But, yeah. you know, I'm not going to, you know, kill my cap and, and hamper signing some of these kids later in life for Brendan Lemieux. I won't do that. Yeah, I think Lemieux, not, not style-wise, but I think Lemieux... Um, I would compare him to Jesper Fast in terms of what he's worth at the same age. Um, and Jesper Fast on his second contract got got like below one million. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think these players need to understand that that G- and and oh, no, let's let's put it this way: I think GMs finally catching up on how to work with a salary cap. I've said this before. But the fact that we don't see top prospects being traded anymore, like we saw three, four, five years ago, and uh, uh, GMs holding on to their draft picks, like Joe Sackick, who didn't want to give up the 16th overall pick at the draft. <clears throat> I think we're finally seeing that general managers have figured out how to work with the salary cap because they shot themselves in the foot so many times. Look at how many buyouts we've had over the last few years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's not because they're not good players. I mean, Dan Girardi, as, as much as there is to criticize about Dan Girardi as a player, he still got a two-year deal with Tampa. And he was like second-slash-third-pair defenseman on the best team in the league for two years. I'm not saying that, that you know, he was worth his contract with the Rangers, but he was still worth well, maybe like $2 million. Tampa signed him for two years. Um, Shattenkirk, it's not that he's a bad defenseman. It's just that, you know, there's not enough cap space to go around. It's not even a financial thing because the Rangers could easily afford it. But the salary cap is, this is what the salary cap is there for. And I love the salary cap. As a fan in Europe, growing up with sports where there's no salary cap, where there's promotion relegation, where it's always the same two, three teams that win a championship, it, it devalues a championship. My favorite uh, football or soccer team in the Netherlands, Ajax from Amsterdam, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm 34 years old, in my lifetime, they have won 15, to 15, maybe 18 championships. I mean, when they, when they won the championship this year, I was like, oh, great, championship. When's the, when, when does next season start? They won the championship four years in a row. It just, it doesn't mean as much 
as the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I get that. I actually completely agree with that, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, the salary cap is a beautiful thing. Um, <clears throat> I think there there could be some alterations made. Maybe some, some you know. Uh, I spoke about this earlier this week. Maybe have, like, a cap hit discount for uh, homegrown players. If you draft a player yourself and he's on your team for five years, uh, to get, like, a 10, 50, maybe 20%, like, discount on your cap hit. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it would have kept Tavares uh, with the Islanders, but maybe they would have been able to offer him more money for a lower cap hit. Um, it would definitely help out the small market teams. And it would, and it would, and it would help to incentivize signing those, those players you draft because you can afford to give them a little bit more and take a risk because it's not killing your cap. Yeah, and while we're at it, I also think that the maximum contract that uh, other teams should be able to offer free agents should go down from seven years to five years. An, an unrestricted free agent getting a seven-year deal when the team owning his rights can offer him only eight, the difference there is not enough to make a difference. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a very good point, too. It should, it should, it should be more enticing for the home team, not on the home team, but... The team that that you know drafted him and developed him should be able to offer more value because then it 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 increase it it makes it you know less likely for him to want to bolt or if he wants to leave it has to be for for reasons that surpass dollar and contract. Yeah, and 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 I think it would work great for third and fourth line players. Imagine Jesper Fast getting a four million dollar offer from a team like Nashville, for instance. The Rangers cannot offer him a $4 million contract because the cap hit would be too high. What if, what if they get a 25% cap hit discount because they drafted him themselves, he spent all his time with the Rangers, and <clears throat> you get like a 5% discount for each year that he was under contract or something like that with a maximum. Let's say he gets a 25% discount on the cap hit. All of a sudden, you can offer Jesper Fast $4 million, just like the other team, with only a $3 million cap hit. Right, right, or or Matt, or or you can even you can even beat the offer and it'll be the same cap it. Same cap it, you can offer him more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and by doing that, and I know it's never going to happen, but by doing that, you uh, you motivate teams to build through the draft and not through free agency, which is what we want to see. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think the other thing that GM's starting to understand now. Uh, that they didn't understand kind of s- several years ago, maybe because they were too, they were too like uh, they were too drunk with with how they spent their money, was the the value of the the filler role. They're not going out there and giving filler roles of you know absurd contracts anymore. Oh yeah, uh, I, when I th- was it Brandon Proust who got a four million dollar deal from Montreal when he left the Rangers. Yeah. I was for a fourth line player at the at that time when the salary cap was around sixty eight million. Yep, and that's 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 disastrous for a team. You 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 kill you kill your 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 cap space. Um, but yeah, it's it's just you know it's one of those things that I've been thinking about, and even though I know it's never going to happen, it's still fun to discuss. Um, and you know maybe an NHL executive will hear this and think, hey, that's actually a good idea. Let's let's look into it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that the team should be pitched on, or you know what I mean. It's not a yeah, it makes it's, sense to me. I, it's something I would wholeheartedly support. And it would also, uh, it you know, it would also fix the issue that Jonathan Taves has, because he could have signed a, a bigger contract for the same cap hit, because he signs with the team that drafted him, that that you know developed him. Yeah, very good point. All right, you want to go on to some questions? Uh, yeah, we can, we can go to some questions. Um, let me just quickly get to them. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rusty. I'm not well prepared for this. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> so first question I'll, uh, I'll ask you. Uh, what sort of season do you think Leas Anderson will have? Will he split NHL and AHL? Or will he spend the entire season with the Rangers? My guess is he spends the whole season with the Rangers. I think specifically because it, it's not like it's not like he's um, we're trying to save time on his entry level contract at this point. 
there's no difference in, in him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think at this point, putting him there and letting him letting him play and giving him time is, is the only thing you can do. I think keeping him in Hartford, not to say that it would be a bad thing. I just don't see that. I don't see them doing that. I, I think they, uh, I think this team understands that developing these kids is paramount. And so you're going to see them get ice time. Win, lose, or draw, they're going to get ice time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see it the same way. I, I don't see a reason to send them to the AHL. Um, unless, I mean, we have 13 forwards, assuming Kravtsov and Kako make the team, and Lemieux signs, we would have 13 forwards without him. So something has, someone has to go if he makes the team. Would it be, maybe they still trade Nemesnikov away? Maybe they still have a buyer for Chris Kreider? Um... And, I, and I'm not sold that both of those players are going to be on the roster come February anyways. No, exactly. <clears throat> and, and, you know, maybe they start Crofts off in, in the AHL, you know, to, to uh, have him get used to life in North America. And, uh, he will be playing with Rikov and Chest Jorkin, so they won't be alone. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think there's a greater, trans- there's a greater chance that Kraftstoff splits time than... Yeah. Than Anderson, just my just my thoughts. Like, if I think if players are going to split time, it's going to be somebody like Kraftstoff. I think Anderson. Not to say that the only reason that they would split time with him or keep him down there is if he really struggled. Yeah, but I even think at that they might just want him to work through it. I, I think near the end of last season, he was actually uh, he was actually playing really good games uh, when he was on a line with Lemieux and Butchnevich. That that high energy line on on the as a third line was was doing pretty good, so maybe maybe they'll they'll you know hang on to that, um, and yeah we'll see. I, but I don't see him going to the AHL. I don't see a reason f- unless, like you say, he really struggles. But that's also something I don't see happening. This will be his third season after being drafted. Um, I don't expect him to be a top six player this season. But I do expect him to play 82 games. That I'm, I'm on. I'm on board with that. I, I don't expect him to play any top six minutes, but I expect him to play. You know, 60 something plus games. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question then. Um, what is the one thing pertaining the Rangers? Oh, sorry. I, let's 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 mention who asks the questions. I forgot that with the previous question. Previous question. Apologies. Was from Alex Hellman. Um, this next question from New York Yankee Ranger MDT, I guess, uh, N Y Y R M D T. That's his Twitter handle. What's the one thing pertaining the New York Rangers that you two disagree about the most? Um, probably, probably who's the best defensive prospect, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's, and I, I have, I have discussions with people about this and they always wrongfully assume that I don't like Keandre Miller, which is not, that's, that's not true at all. I love Keandre Miller. He's an amazing prospect. I just think that Niels Lundqvist is massively underrated because he plays in the Swedish hockey league. And I think fans don't really understand how impressive it is for a, an 18-year-old last season and a 19-year-old this season to play at, that, at such a high level at that age. And this season, he's expected to play on the top pairing. That's, that's something you don't see regularly, especially not from a guy that was drafted in the late 20s. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. That, I think that's probably the one. That's one thing that we definitely disagree on. Is, is yeah, the, but I think I and, just, and, I, and I and I and like I said, I, I like Mills Lundqvist. It's yeah. it's not that. It's just that I think Keandre Miller is, is is very special. I think I disagree on that with a lot of Ranger fans. But like I said, there's no hate. I don't I don't dislike Keandre Miller. I just think that Nils Lundqvist is, and this is also true. They they are completely different players. Keandre Miller is is an offensive dynamo. You know he. He, he carries the puck into the offensive zone, and he's, he's great on offense. Where I, I think Nils Lundqvist is just a better all-round player. Not as good offensively, but better defensively. 
his gap control for a 19-year-old in the Swedish league is amazing. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult to compare the two. It's it's like comparing Dowdy to Eric to comparing Dowdy to Keith Yandel, for instance, and not in terms of you know upside, but the type of player they are. Right. But I hope they both make it. Um, if they do, and assuming Kravtsov, you know, turns into the player we expect him to be, that 2018 draft is going to be monumental for this franchise. Getting those yeah. players in the first round, it's ridiculous. Could not, could not agree more, man. I think that's, I think that's huge. I think that's, I, I think, if, I think if Kravtsov hits on, you know. It's a home run like I think he will. Man, that 2018 draft is going to look stupid good. Yeah, if Kravtsov turns into a top six winger and both Nils Lundqvist and Keandre Miller turn into top four defensemen, that's already a success. If they turn into a little bit more than that, maybe top line wing for Kravtsov, top pair for one of those two, to me, that's a slam dunk. Yep, I agree. All right, next question. Um, I think this question is for me, but I'll ask you. It's from Andrew Metric, who has asked us questions before. So he's a regular listener. Is there any cap benefit to signing a player after the season starts? Is there any cap benefit to signing him afterwards? Yeah. You're more of a cap guru than I am. What do you think? You got to pass this on to me. All right. Um, Actually, it's the uh, complete opposite. Uh, If you sign a player after the season starts, the cap hit is higher than the annual average value. Because if you look at guys like uh, William Nylander last year... <clears throat> yeah, really- I was actually going to bring that up. I was going to say William Nylander had a, had a situation yeah. where he signed so late, his cap hit was stupid, stupid high. Exactly. His cap hit was close to $10 million, while his uh, annual average value was $7 million. Yeah. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, same thing happened uh, with Hampus Lindholm, uh, Jacob Truba and Rickard Raquel. I think it was in 2016. Um, they signed after the season started, and this is basically how it works. You take the average annual value, which is the average earnings of a player, base salary and signing bonus. You divide it by the number of days remaining and then multiply it by the total number of days in the season. Usually the number of days in the season is 180. <clears throat> so if, if, if you sign a player for 5 million average value, you divide that by the number of days remaining, let's say 120, and then you multiply it by 180, and that's the cap hit for the season. It's only for that one, for the one season. Right, because moving forward, it would, it would, it would, it would regress that number. Yeah, it, it would be similar to the AAV. Right. But for, if, since you, if you sign the player uh, <clears throat> like mid-season or into the season, the cap hit is actually higher than, than you would normally have and not lower. So it's the exact opposite of uh, cap benefit. Yeah, makes sense to me. So, yeah, do, try not to do that. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, Toronto, I mean, they, they could afford it last, last year with the, with the cap hit, but a 9 million or close to 10 million cap hit for a player making 7 million, that raised some eyebrows. And I got a lot of questions about that. Uh, so I, I've explained this several times over the last, when, when did he sign? Like November? So over the last 10 months. Um, but yeah, I mean, cap, cap stuff is always fun for me. So it's like my guilty pleasure. There you go. Um, all right, next question. Uh, this one's definitely for you. It's about Zibanejad. Um, by Rangers Rundown. Uh, do you guys think Mika Zibanejad is recognized this year by the NHL as being a top 20 center in the league? Is he? No. Should he be? Absolutely. So um, I, I, think, I think the problem is I think, he, I think he falls under the radar a lot, unfortunately. And I think a lot of that is, is because the Ranger team is in a rebuild they're probably not going to be a playoff team next year unless everything goes perfectly. Um, so unfortunately, he's just not going to get that attention, you know. Mm. But is he? Is he? Is he a top twenty center in the NHL? Yes, yes, absolutely. When you consider the two hundred foot game he plays, one hundred percent, he's a top twenty center. Yeah, yeah, and and see the the thing that always gets me, and and this goes beyond the Um 
there's always this this stigma that a player who's good offensively cannot be good defensively and the other way around. Um, and for me, Eric Carlson is the perfect example of that. Because he is an elite offensive defenseman, people automatically assume that he's not good defensively. That's but not true. It is not true. I mean, if, you, if you take the defense away from Carlson, you're left with Justin Schultz. Yeah. Or Matt Hunwick. Um, or to an extent, Keith Yandel. Carlson is better defensively than most players in the NHL, but it often gets overlooked because people focus on his offense. And the, yeah. same, goes, the same goes for forwards. Uh, Alexander Barkov is, I think, the third best two-way player in the league after Bergeron and Kopitar. Maybe even better than Kopitar, I feel personally. That is saying something because Kopitar, Kopitar, I think, is the, is the best two-way player in the league. Oh, no, no. I, I think Bergeron is, is, is the best one still. Okay. Um, That's fine. I think, I think that, but the top three to me is definitely Bergeron, Kopitar, Barkov. Um, and Barkov is only 24. Um, his elite two way game often overshadows what he does on offense. Uh, last year, off the top of my head, I can check, but off the top of my head, I think he had over 90 points, <clears throat> led his team in points. That, on top of being one of the elite defensive centers in the league, to me, makes him, and this is going to be controversial, to me, makes him more valuable than Nathan McKinnon. Ooh, that's a hot take. <laughs> look, I look, might, I'm going to disagree there, but I, I know where you're coming from. Look, look, I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain. I grew up in the Netherlands. <clears throat> I lived in South Africa. I played rugby for years. And I always played a defensive role. When I played soccer as a kid, I always played as a defensive midfielder. So maybe that's why I focus a little bit more on the defensive aspect when I watch sports. Um, I'm a Seahawks fan. and My favorite player has been, for years, Bobby Wagner, the middle linebacker. Right. Everyone always, you know, goes for like the quarterback or the wide receiver. No, no. For me, the middle linebacker, he's like he's the general on the team. Bobby Wagner is is my hero when it comes to football. Okay, so, when I, so when I watch hockey, I, I sort of look at, you know, who are the, the good two-way players, and, and Barkov has been insane. Um, what Barkov did before he was drafted, and I actually wrote an article uh, about this, uh, which will be released in the next two, few days, where I compared the hype surrounding Kako to other Finnish players, including Barkov, uh, Saku Koivu, um, uh, Mikael Granlund and, and <clears throat> the thing with Barkov is he is he was a, a, a born early September so he was one of the youngest players in his draft class and still he broke the record for goals and points by a 17 year old in the Finnish league by a pre-draft player and and when he went second overall, there was a lot of confusion because people thought, oh, isn't Seth Jones supposed to be second overall? Uh, but now, six years later, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Barkov is, uh, earned his second overall position in that draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, <clears throat> all right, one last question. It's also from Rangers Rundown, so he put in two questions. Um, Capo Kako is looking great now, and with all his hype, do you think Kravtsov will be able to keep up or yes. even surpass Kako in their rookie season? And this is, actually, this is an interesting question. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I think he'll keep up. Um, matter of fact, it, it would not. Yeah, it, it's with Kravtsov is, is an interesting thing. I, I actually think he can go one of two ways here. I, I would it would not surprise me if Kravtsov is in the colder you know, talk at some point this year. But it also would not surprise me if he struggled. Yeah. I mean, really, like, and I don't mean that in terms of I don't know what to get from him. It's just because I don't know how quickly he's going to adjust. Yeah, and, and yeah. Having met him several times, uh, I could see the transition he has gone through on a personal level. <clears throat> First time I met him, uh, his English was okay. Uh, pretty good for, you know, an 18-year-old Russian at the time. Um, last time I spoke to him, and that was six months later, his, Russian, uh, his English had improved so much. And 
he's been when he was playing for the uh, in the KHL for Traktor Chelyabinsk, he played with some North Americans like Ryan Stoa and uh, Nick Bylan, and he actually hung out with them because he wanted to improve his English. And to me, that type of dedication makes him makes it for me more likely that he will succeed. Uh, because the talent is there. There's no question. The talent is definitely there. Um, it just depends on how he will be used. And this is this is my one qualm, uh, my one issue with David Quinn. I think David Quinn is a good coach. I also think David Quinn is too cautious when it comes to rookies. Mm. We saw it last year. I mean, Brett Howden is, is the, is the uh, exception. Brett Howden got to play every game until he went out with a concussion in January. He should have been sent down to Hartford like at the end of November, early December. <clears throat> but aside from him, we had Hedl and Anderson and even uh, D'Angelo. They had to earn their minutes. So Kako and Kravtsov are not going to be given their minutes. They have to earn them. And I think they will be held to different standards than, than like the more seasoned players on the team, like Buchnevich, of course, and Kreider and Panarin. And also <clears throat> the bottom six, like Jesper Fast, they already built up some credit. And I think Quinn, uh, it's the one thing I don't like about Quinn. I think I wish Quinn took a little bit more risk when it comes to the rookies. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but I think Kako and Kravtsov will both be in the Calder discussion. Maybe even Adam Fox. We, we have potentially three Calder uh, uh, candidates on the team. Yeah, no, isn't that wild? That's that's insane. Um, yeah. The last time a Ranger won the Calder was Brian Leach. Um, I think I was three years old. I didn't even know what hockey was. So to to see these prospects on the team, it's just it's exciting, man. And so much is happening, and, and I cannot wait to go to New York and watch these preseason games. As as a prospect guy, the preseason games are maybe even more exciting than the regular season games. Yeah, I agree with that. Rebuilding. With that, all right. Next question. Uh, no, that was the last question, actually. Ah, so. we're all done. Nice, yeah, yeah. We uh, we finished them all. Woohoo, awesome! So, when do you leave for New York? You uh, two weeks, um, right? yeah. I fly the 17th. I'm going to Augsburg in Germany on this Friday for the Lulia game, and then on to the Czech Republic to Liberec for their second game. Uh, then I'm back in Vienna for about a week, uh, and then on the 17th, I fly to New York. I'll be in New York City until Saturday morning. Uh, I'll take the bus Saturday morning to Philadelphia for the Rangers preseason game there. Um, and then I'm back on Sunday and then I go to the home game. I go to the home games against the Devils and Islanders. So if people are also going to those games and want to meet up for a beer, just, just look for the guy wearing a, a, a green Kraftsoft KHL All-Star jersey. <laughs> or or a white uh, Champions Hockey League Capo Caco jersey, because those are the ones I'll be bringing. Sweet. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be the only one with those jerseys, considering the, the trouble I had to go through to get those. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I told you, but the KHL All-Star jersey uh, traveled like, ha like all over Europe before it arrived here in Vienna, because the web shop only sold them only shipped them to Russia, Kazakhstan, or Belarus. So I had to ask a colleague in Finland, who is Russian, if I could order it and have it sent to his parents in Moscow. He then went to pick it up, brought it back to Helsinki, and then we met in Dublin for a management course where he gave it to me and I could bring it back to Vienna. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll probably be wearing that one and then the, the white Kako jersey, but I mean, People will probably recognize me anyway. But yeah, walk up to me and we'll have a chat, have a beer. Um, even though the beers are pretty expensive at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> that's not the truth. Oh, that's the one thing I remember from my first ever game. My first ever Rangers game at Madison Square Garden was three years ago. And I remember paying $19 for, uh, for an IPA. And yeah, I mean, welcome to New York, dude. Oh, it was and, and last time, last February, I was at Madison Square Garden and a normal beer was 60, $16 for a beer. Yeah, I can, that's, that's I pretty get, standard. I can get front row seats at a KHL game for, for, for 20. 
yeah, that markup is insane. But you know, I mean, <laughs> listen, I mean, we got we got we got a Panarin contract we got to pay for. We got Trouble we got to pay for. We got to got hey, the, money, the money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, you got to buy those beers, guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So if if people are in New York at the same time and they want to meet up, just let me know. Um, there are some guys, some followers who asked me to get them a Capo Caco jersey. So I'm bringing, I think, nine of them. Because oh, it's it's easier than shipping since I'm already flying to New York. So I have an extra bag with nine Finland Capo Caco jerseys with me. Uh, as carry-on because I don't trust airlines these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they lost a stick already, so. Yeah, I don't blame you. Let's let's hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. And then I'll be in the we'll be meeting, of course, in Nashville uh, early November for that game. That is correct. That is correct. Right. And I'm actually trying to see if I can go up to New York sometime in October. So I might be up there to try to catch a game. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, same thing. If you're in, in, in New York the same time as Greg, just uh, hit him up and see if you can meet up with him. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be, you know, uh, a, little, a little wasted. But, yeah, you know, just nope. say hi to me. If, if, I, if, I, if, I sound, if I sound like I'm, I'm pretty drunk, then you're definitely talking to the right person. They, they, you, you probably are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because if I'm at a game and, you know, I've, I, especially, if, especially if they're losing, yeah, then I'm definitely drunk. <laughs> Oh, and uh, uh, the Rangers game in Nashville we're going to, it's the Hockey Fights Cancer game. Oh, that's right. That's going to be cool, dude. Uh, they have special rally towels. So we, uh, we, have, we already have a souvenir lined up for, for us. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. We definitely picked the right game. So That we did, man. Yeah. All right. I think the next recording will be next week when we have a recap of the Traverse City Tournament. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, two days and then we can see some prospects in blue Ranger jerseys. Exactly. We get to actually watch some actual hockey games and not just talk about it. Like it's a, you know, a figment of imagination in the sky. Oh, finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All, All right. right. Well, be safe, man. Um, I'll talk to you next week and then, I'll, and then we'll, uh, we'll catch up on these games. Sure. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Take care guys. All right. Bye.